Well, hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Um, a couple of days late uh, for our segment Conscious Commentary. We did have a, a short, rather short week here with the previous Labor Day holiday weekend uh, for those of us here in the U.S. So uh, coming to a little uh, day or two late, but uh, not without uh, some deep stuff we're going to be talking about today on Conscious Commentary. So I'm glad you're joining me. Uh, I'm going to get a little philosophical, maybe a great deal philosophical today. Uh, I want to talk about something that has been weighing on my mind for quite some time. This is not going to be a rant <laughs> by any stretch, but rather a reflection, um, something that uh, actually for years, particularly uh, as I was writing my my book, Conscious Musings, back in uh, oh, 2014, I had a chapter called Dichotomy of Consciousness and the Precipice of Change. And it has to do with, I'm going to just kind of cut to the chase on the subject matter at hand today, has to do with this idea of seeing a heightened sense of opposites, kind of having an equal play in our day-to-day lives. We're going to talk about dichotomous thinking and what may be going on underneath the surface. Anyone listening to this, particularly in the West, I dare say worldwide, will know what I'm talking about when I mention dichotomy and division, duality. It seems it seems as if we are living uh, in a at a time when these aspects of reality are first and foremost prominent, prominently placed in our experience. It's a very interesting thing to watch if if one has the ability or takes the time to zoom out, try to detach from that and, and really kind of see what's going on. And so I want to just kind of talk about that. I'm going to be quoting quite a few individuals here. I, I did a little bit of research today, and I actually wrote a piece that I'm quite proud of. Um, the muses, let's just say we're talking today. Uh, so I did craft uh, a relatively short article that you will be able to find accompanying uh, this podcast today. But again, what what are we talking about here? We're talking about people today, not everyone, for sure, but so many are so habituated toward taking a side. We're talking about racial division, being on one side or another, political division, gender division, you name it, virtually everything that can be divided is being divided. And there's no doubt it's being heightened. So what's what's actually going on? Again, I've pondered this idea because this isn't just something that's happening in a vacuum, as we all know. I think it is part of the human experience to want to take a side, stick with it, commit to it, and defend it. But it does seem now we're seeing a heightened sense and sensitivity of that dynamic. And again, it makes me wonder, you know, why such dichotomous thinking right now? I'm even going to take something as, and this isn't a simple thing, let's take the idea of, because I've talked to people about this before, the idea of climate 
or geoengineering. It's a phenomenon that uh, evidence shows is uh, most likely taking place at some level. I'm not going to, that's not what this show is about, but I'm bringing this up for a reason because I have had discussions with uh, various individuals about the reality of, of climate engineering that that would be uh, steering weather or even creating weather scenarios um, that uh, are not of a natural proliferation. And oftentimes, and again, I'm just using this as an example, oftentimes when I will bring up the subject to somebody that is not aware of it, they'll say, well, why are they doing it? And what they're seeking is it's either for this reason or for that reason. And even people that that are well aware of it, even in the discussion uh, within certain uh, circles about the reality of this, I, I dare say, uh, abominable program, if in fact it is taking place, uh, are seem to want to join a side. This whole idea of um, assigning a, a cause or a side to something, again, I, I will reiterate, I think this is part of the human experience. And yet, I do think it's reached a very dangerous and fever pitch, as we can see playing out, not just uh, in our media, our medias, particularly mainstream medias, but in our lives. I believe there is uh, an antidote to that, however, and again, I want to get to this. Um, I want to bring this up because I would be remiss if I did not. Uh, What sort of not necessarily prompted me to have this conversation with you today, but certainly uh, helped to to fuel it a little bit more, to to encourage me to want to talk about it. And that has to do with uh, a recent comment that I received from a listener uh, based on a recent show that I had done uh, with Dr. Marie Batchelor. We had a great conversation. And by the way, we're going to have part two of that conversation next week. Uh, great, great discussion. Uh, the person, if this person is listening, they'll know who they are. And this is not by any means a, a way uh, or a, a method by which to call that person out. In fact, I appreciate uh, constructive criticism, criticism. But let's just say this individual had some some choice uh, words or um, criticisms for my take on uh, part of the conversation I had with Dr. Batchelor was about sort of the esoteric side of the solar eclipse. And uh, you can for sure go back uh, to either to higherjourneys.com or to my YouTube channel and you can take a listen for yourself on my thoughts on that. I have actually been quite vocal. I do not know the significance uh, as probably most people don't, whether exoterically or esoterically of the solar eclipse. But I had uh, questioned the media's coverage of it and perhaps a sort of symbolic significance. And uh, the person that I'm speaking of that left a comment based on my uh, remarks, uh, you know, clearly felt that I was taking a fearful view and that uh, that I have a responsibility to my audience to be uplifting. And I want to say something for the record. And again, if this person is listening, please hear me. Uh, My obligation, I feel, to my audience is nothing but honesty. Having an honest discussion about our world, our reality, our potential. But that also is what's uh, inclusive of that is having the willingness and the courage to look at both shadow and light, particularly if we are seeking a means by which to live 
in the light. Now, why is this uh, relevant to the discussion we're having right now? And again, I'm going to reiterate, I do appreciate hearing from you all with uh, criticisms and, and as long as it's constructive and <laughs> is uh, relevant to the topic. But the thing that I noticed in this particular comment was that this person was taking a this or that view of this dynamic that we were talking about at the time called the solar eclipse. And if uh, for any of you that have heard heard the discussion that I had with Dr. Marie Batchelor, in which we talked about this, and we pondered other things that uh, could be questioned in terms of what they are, or at least the symbolic significance. And we both came to the conclusion that it isn't about this or that, a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it's about this and that. I have said this many times. I, again, this this habituation toward taking a side or taking a position and not relenting from the position. I've never been of that philosophy, quite frankly. I think that at a very deep and alchemical level, and I want to get to this a little bit, it is contained. Anything is both this and that and beyond. I want to quote something. And, and as I said, I'm going to give you quite a few quotes here that I have amassed over the years um, from various individuals. One is from uh, a well-known channel by the name of, well, the channel's name is Daryl Anka, but the entity that he alleges to channel is called Bashar. And regardless of the validity of where this information is coming from, I, I, certain things that, that have been said by Bashar uh, resonate with me. And here's one of them. Uh, it basically says, dot, dot, dot. It is not this or that. It is this and that. The, in capital, capital T-H-E, the truth is composed of all truths, this and that. And the one that is yours is the one you experience, plain and simple. End quote. I bring that up because this individual that left the comment about her experience or this person's experience of the solar eclipse was one of joy and and brilliance. I don't doubt that. I've talked to other people that that witnessed it, and I I am all for what. However, you distilled the experience is your truth. Mine, and I'm not going to even say truth in this context, but rather my sense was I'm going to opt out of it and rather light a candle that signifies the light and the prominence of the light and the potential of the light on this planet. So I'm going to leave that there. But again, I wanted to use that as a jumping off point to go into this, this, you know, sense of opinion and opining on the part of so many today, often in a rather argumentative uh, stance, because you're taking either one side or another. And I'm going to state again, I am not of that uh, philosophy. I'm going to give you another quote by Shakespeare. This is one that I I have pondered and uh, read, you know, many, many years ago. Very simple. For there is nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so. That could be controversial to some people. Well, what do you mean? There's there's good and there's bad, and there's just no, <laughs> there's no two ways about it. <laughs> but I think what is being said, this is from the play Hamlet, is that 
it's our perspective of, of a given thing that makes it a thing or another thing uh, that gives it a sense of being good or bad, up or down, left or right. So that quote always uh, resonated with me. I uh, recently heard a talk with a gentleman who I haven't mentioned for a while. In fact, I am absolutely going to have him on the show very soon. His name is Neil Kramer, neilkramer.com. I consider him to be one of the most erudite uh, uh, philosophers of our day. I say erudite, intelligent, deep, spiritually centered, positive, but not afraid to look at the shadow either. Neil Kramer. He did a show, I cannot think of the, oh, it's called Grimerica. Grimerica, I believe is the name of the podcast. Very good podcast. I'll leave a link to the particular show on Grimerica. But in the talk that Neil had with his, uh, who he was being interviewed by, he speaks about opposites and polarization and how this all fits into the uh, degenerization, degenerizing of the self. And I'm going to quote here. He says, quote, self is being put under tremendous pressure to polarize. And everybody who does loses. As soon as you polarize, you lose. If you're a dyed in the wool this or dyed in the wool that, you lose. And you can't see the truth at that point. So it's an exercise in equilibrium, in destruction, in deconstruction, I should say. Let me read that last sentence again. So it's an exercise that being polarized in equilibrium, in deconstruction, being polarized and realizing that you are and trying to relent from that is an exercise in equilibrium. We're being tested. I'm going to just just throw a bunch of quotes at you because this one also fits in to this point. I think there were many wise people in our day and in our history that have intimated the things that we're talking about here, the danger of taking a side and not being able to have the ability to zoom out and see a broader view. Before I read this next quote, I want to make another point that I believe it was Neil Kramer and others have said, including myself, and that is when you think about personality and the left and right brain, we we speak sort of colloquially about the left brain being the very logical, uh, rooted in routine, um, you know, methodical, linear mind, and the right brain being the, the, the bigger, or not necessarily the bigger, but the greater more idealistic, more less um, judgmental side of the brain. And I recall once Neil, and I think it was somebody else that said this, maybe my friend Penny Pierce intimated the same thing. They said, where the left brain is, you know, trying to work things out and judging and taking sides and there's tumult and challenge and craziness all over the place, all around you. Your right brain is saying, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> I can't remember who said that, but I, I've used that before in the context of this kind of discussion. In other words, the left brain is designed, it seems, among other things, of course, to be logical and, and uh, segmented, nice and neat, and again, linear, past, present, future, 
where the right brain is just sort of zooming out and saying, wow, I, I, I would even venture to say that the right brain perhaps may be more rooted to, to soul that doesn't judge, just looks at everything, including what would the left brain would judge as bad or evil. And I'm, listen, by no means am I promoting either, but it is saying, huh, wow, how interesting. I think it was actually Bashar that had, had uh, made a statement like that in the context of understanding the importance of taking a holistic view of all experience, not good or bad, not fearful, and looking at the shadow. Look at it all. It gives you a better sense of where to go. And most importantly, to acknowledge and bring about more light in yourself. Here's the other quote that I wanted to bring up to you. One of my favorites. I apologize, everyone, if you you probably heard me say it just recently. I, I kind of reconnected with it, a, a quote that I've had in my uh my library for years and years by the writer F. Scott Fitzgerald, who says, the test of a first rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposed ideas in mind at the same time, and still retain the ability to function. I remember hearing that quote many years ago, and I committed it to, uh, to um, memory. Not reading that, by the way, folks, that's one that's a little long, and I remember that because it's powerful. What is he saying? The test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold opposites in mind at the same time, not one yesterday and one today, but at the same time, and still retain the ability and still retain your equilibrium. That's a test of a first-rate intelligence. I would say that's a test of a first-rate spirit or soul. So that's going to lead me to, and I don't want to go too fast. I want to make sure you're processing what I'm saying. This is something to aspire to people. I am so adamant, and I'm working on myself too, God knows, um, in this age of division and divisiveness. Don't let whom or whatever is tempting you to be that, to take a side. Don't let them do that. A test of a first-rate intelligence is to be able to look at all sides and maybe not even have an opinion. Just look at it and say, hmm, that's interesting. Because I have a funny feeling that when one undertakes that process, they can then create a new reality for themselves of their choosing not of a choice or a list that's been given to them to pick a side. Here's something that I found uh, that I actually incorporated into the post that hopefully you will read accompanying this podcast. And it uh, has to do with alchemy. Now we're going to get to the alchemy. What is alchemy? From a, And I'm by no means an alchemy scholar, but I find the, 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 the teaching and the practice of alchemy uh, and the alchemists of old quite intriguing. It's a study in perennial philosophy, frankly, and of and of enlightenment. And uh, this is uh, an article that I actually found. I have a feeling that, the, that what I'm going to read to you uh, that I actually 
incorporated into my own post is something that's somewhat ubiquitous in, in alchemical teachings, maybe even word for word. But it has to do with acknowledging opposites and being able to transmute. Oh, what I had started to say is, well, what is alchemy? Alchemy essentially is the act of being able to transmute or change one substance into another. That is probably probably the most simplistic way I can describe it. And again, I'm no scholar in that regard. But let me read this to you and then see if you can kind of put all these discrete pieces into one, it synthesizes it into one uh, idea. Here's the quote, and it's a little longer. Uh, there is, well, let me just, this isn't the quote, I'm going to just kind of lead up to it. There are seven stages. I believe in some teachings, there are more than seven stages. But in this case, seven stages of a spiritual evolution through alchemy. Um, I'm not going to read them all. Go to the post and look at, because uh, I listed them there. But the seventh stage is something called coagulation. Coagulation, being able to coagulate something, bring things, bring two or more things together. And this, if this is the final stage of uh of a spiritual evolutionary process, I can see where coagulation would be at the end. Listen to this quote. It says, quote, the meeting point, coagulation is the meeting point between two opposites, such as the spiritual self and raw matter, heaven and hell, and life and death. It is the point where existence becomes self-aware. This is the moment when our lives are without duality, when matter becomes spirit, or the spirit is manifested in material form, in the stage of coagulation. The physical universe is not separate from the mind or spiritual reality. It is a reflection of it. Alchemy's greatest achievement is to create an interrelationship between mind and matter, between self and world, end quote. That's coagulation. That is supposedly the final, if not one of the final stages of of uh, alchemical evolution, I guess you might say. Now, here's, I'm going to check my time here. Uh-oh, I'm way over, but we're, we're winding down. <laughs> so here's where I want to take this. We've talked about division. We've talked about that as a perhaps a human frailty. We've talked about the fact that it's without a doubt escalating in our 3D experience. And we've talked about alchemy in that it is the realization through discernment of opposites. But then in that realization of or recognize, recognition, I should say, of those opposites, the alchemist knows how to bring those two together and actually create a third reality where the divisions begin to gray and the polarities disappear. That's considered the final stage, one of the in my understanding of alchemy. That makes sense. Understanding that divisions are actually illusions. There really is no division. There is no veil between the 3D and beyond, right? We're saying it's thinning. I've said that myself. But in all actuality, maybe they don't exist. They're simply relative to how we are decoding reality. So in my post, I end uh, with the sentiment or the, the ponderance, just like I pondered the solar eclipse uh, or the sim- symbolism that was uh, 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 perhaps used, pondered. I have come to no conclusion, believe me. 
but my ponderance on this is, isn't it interesting that in the step of coagulation, the bringing together, the recognizing, but then bringing together of opposites to create a oneness. Before you can create the oneness, you've got to recognize the opposites. Isn't it interesting that we, if there's anything that's the most pronounced in our reality, 3D reality right now, it is opposites, opinion, taking sides. I mean, it is really at a fever pitch. You've got to admit. Here's my glass half full or optimistic view. We don't know how reality works, folks. We don't know that whether, or let me let me put it this way. We're playing out a certain reality that seems so divisive and separated. But on if we live in a multidimensional reality, and if we ourselves are multidimensional, then we may just be existing and operating on another dimension at another level. Maybe at another level, unbeknownst to us, we are alchemists actively recognizing the distinctions, the differences, the div- the divisions as only an alchemical step to bringing us to oneness. Does that make sense to you? You might want to listen to this twice. I told you it was going to be somewhat philosophical today. But in all seriousness, I wonder, I really do. There's something else that's going on that I think is quite brilliant, frankly. We are definitely at the precipice of something really grand. And sometimes it takes really, really dark stuff to bring you there. It takes even the division. Here's another quote from Neil Kramer, I think, from this same talk, where he said, quote, the shadow gets really dark when approaching equilibrium. Hmm. I've thrown a lot of quotes at you, something to really chew on. I'm going to stop there and let you ponder that. Please ponder that. I think this is an important thing now more than ever. Imagine that at some level, we are on a soul level, we are alchemists playing out this process in the 3D, but in preparation to coagulate, to become one. And then once that happens, we can consciously root the coagulation here in the 3D. That's where I see this perhaps going. See what you think, folks. Listen, we're uh, way over time, so I'm going to let you go. I hope you enjoyed this little discussion uh, or this little talk. And uh, talk amongst yourselves. Think about it. Think in silence. Ponder it. Most importantly, be you. Enjoy and enjoy the myriad beauty that exists on this planet and beyond. Thanks, everyone. I will talk to you soon, and I'll see you soon. I'll meet you over on uh, YouTube next week when we have Dr. Marie Batchelor back for part two of Higher Journeys Radio. Take care, everyone. <laughs>